0: G'day everybody and welcome back for the first time in 2019 to The Extras. That's very dramatic. Oh, did you like that? Yeah, I love it. I'm Sam. And I am Mike and we are very excited to be back with you. Sam, how was your summer? Fantastic. Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, busy busy season for church,
1: uh, moving into the new building. That Woo-hoo! was really exciting. Um, we snuck a week of holidays in as well, got away uh, with the family and it was delightful. So uh, that was very good. What it, about you? It,
0: mate, I had a great time uh, preaching through confidence, mm. uh, great truths that we can build our lives on as Christians. Um, and it is very exciting to be in the new building at Mosley Street. It is such a good facility. and. We've already seen lots and lots of new people come through the building, Yeah, which is extraordinarily exciting. Yeah. And if you're
1: one of those new people, welcome. Good to have you here on The Extras Midweek.
0: Yeah. Welcome to your first one, if it's your first one. Yeah.
1: Um, So what are are we trying to do in The Extras, Sam? What's it all about? Well, The Extras is, as the title suggests, the extra questions that uh, we we don't get to in a question time um, on a Sunday. And uh, I love that uh, people at our church uh, want to dig in and, and understand what, what God's Word has to say. And so um, whatever questions we, we don't manage to tackle live, we try and um, flesh them out here. And, uh, and that's a really good opportunity because we just get to dig into God's Word, think hard. Uh, you guys really help us and push us along um, in, in our thinking about, about the Bible and about what God has to say, so uh, looking forward to a, a year ahead and lots of questions and yeah, please keep them coming.
0: Absolutely, very very helpful. So let's dive into the questions. We looked at Colossians chapter one verses yeah. one to eight. We did. Sam, if I wasn't there on Sunday, can you give me a quick yes? What's one uh, Colossians one all about?
1: Uh, well, the big idea of Sunday was that true Christianity comes from hearing the true gospel. Um, true Christianity um, we we work through what Paul has to say on that front in terms of it's a person marked by faith in Christ Jesus um, love for the saints for Christian people um, and hope in heaven um, and that comes about uh, as, they, as they hear the message about Jesus—that that Christ died for them, that Christ was risen to life for them—and uh, that message uh, is a powerful message that God uses um, to. to it bears fruit, grows all around the world, and it's come to these Colossians, and it's come now to us. And uh, and as that message is taught and heard and understood, um, God uses that message to to save people, to to turn them from. from Not in Christ, but to being true Christians.
0: Awesome. Okay. True Christianity through the true gospel, faith, hope, and love. Yeah. So let me dive in with a question. So uh, a true Christian is marked by love for the saints, but aren't true Christians marked by love for all people rather than just the saints?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, it is interesting. Paul is quite specific in Colossians chapter one, so he does say love for the saints. And as we we dived into on Sunday, saints is is uh, just a word meaning Christian people, God people that God has set apart for Himself. Um, but actually, if you if you dive through the the sort of the, the whole Bible, um, the sort of the common theme when it comes to love is that there is a a priority for christians to love one another uh not that they don't love the world but Mm. that their first duty to love is to the family of god to other christians um so it's there in colossians chapter one paul uh, notes it as love for the saints um Probably the most famous uh, reference is, is John 13 where where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he, and he says them in verse 35, he says, By this uh, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And uh, it's interesting. sometimes I think we, we, we're not reading that carefully enough. We think, oh, Christian is someone who's marked by love. But Jesus, again, is specific saying we're to be marked by love for one, one another. another. Okay. Um, Galatians 6.10 says, Be eager to do good to all especially to the household of God. And so there's this right. constant um, kind of theme throughout the whole body of the New Testament where Christians first and foremost love one another before they perhaps love the world. Um, and I guess that is, uh, for, in going back to John 13, um, it's, it's a way to be distinctive. It's a way to stand out as a disciple that the, the non-Christian world would look at the kind of relationships that Christians have with each other that are like family, um, and yet they are people who uh, otherwise wouldn't necessarily be connected, <laughs> yes. as we're talking about on Sunday. Yes. And they see that, and that is so striking and so um, unusual in the world uh, that they conclude that this must be the work of God. That nice. That's how people will know that we are Jesus' disciples. So it's not to say that we we would say to someone, oh, no, we're not going to love you because you're not a Christian. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, we, wanna, we do want to do good to all. That's yep. what Galatians 6 says. But... Our priority is to the, the the household of
0: God, to other Christians. Terrific. Okay. Now, you also said the mark of a true Christian is that they believe the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, his Faith death and Christ. resurrection. Yep. Faith, yeah. Um, the question came in, why do we always go back to the gospel of Jesus, his death and resurrection for sins? It seems like every week we talk about that. Why, why are we so keen to talk about that every week, Sam?
1: Uh, well, yeah, because one of the marks of true Christianity is faith in Christ. And uh, that's the first thing Paul leads with straight off the bat. Faith in Christ is the, is the first mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what are we putting our faith in? And it's, we've got to be clear on um, the key thing about faith is not how much of it you have, but the thing that your faith is in. And so it's no good having lots and lots of faith in something that can't help you. Um, you have the, the The key to faith is it's, It's object, uh, not how much you have. And so what do Christians put their faith in? They put their faith in the fact that their sins can be forgiven by the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay the penalty for sin. Um, And so we, we can be restored back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father and so
0: what what else would you want to talk about that's right That is
1: a, that message is at the heartbeat of of what we believe as Christians and it's what we need to cling onto and hold onto until the end and so we, we want to keep banging that drum week after yeah. week and saying this is
0: what yeah. Christianity is all about perhaps another thing to say is uh, with everything we're trying to do at church and particularly as we preach through the Bible uh, we're letting the Bible set the agenda of what we say, we're not just going to you know what are we going to talk on this week? No, we let the Bible set the agenda. And so mm. it, it's actually the Bible that just keeps coming back to Jesus. Absolutely. And so that's why we keep coming back to Jesus and His that's death right. and resurrection because almost every chapter, particularly of the New Testament, or yep. kind of most clearly in the New Testament, just about every chapter will talk about Jesus and His death and resurrection. And that's Absolutely. why every week we just about talk about that's right, Jesus' death and resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, but really helpful question, and I'm glad you've noticed that. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) that's a really good. It's a good sign. sign. You're listening, which is terrific. Okay, Uh, I'm going off here, Sam. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned that uh, God presents Himself through this gospel message. Yes, uh, through the Word, through the Bible, Scripture. Yep. Uh, Okay, but doesn't God also reveal Himself through the Spirit? And if so. Uh, how does the Spirit guide us to be true Christians and stewards of the true gospel Spirit yeah. and
1: gospel yeah words. yeah so that's right and in particular if you're there on Sunday night um, we, we did have some questions on this front in terms of what's what role does the, the, does the Scripture the Word of God um, play in, in, in true Christianity so I, I take it this one's probably bouncing off some of that stuff mm. in, in question mm. time um, uh, and, and yeah it's good to think through what's the role of God's Holy Spirit um, in that whole process yes. and uh, so it's a great question thank you for sending it in um, John chapter 14 um, Jesus talks about um, or at least promises that the, the spirit after he dies on the cross um, that, that, that the Holy Spirit will come and uh, in John fourteen twenty six, 26 um, Jesus sort of lays out a bit of a, um, a purpose statement as to what the Holy Spirit is going to do so he says uh, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And that's uh, that's a really key verse there about the role of the Holy Spirit after the death and resurrection of Jesus, as it is poured out on people, is that the Spirit points us back to Jesus um, and wants to glorify Jesus, but in particular points us back to Him by reminding us of what He said, and so there's this sense in which the Spirit points us back towards the Word. Now, Jesus is the incarnate Word. That is, the the Word became flesh, John chapter 1. But even more than that, He even spoke. And what the Spirit points us back to is the words that Jesus spoke and and more broadly the the Word of God. And so um, the work of the Holy Spirit is in no way divorced from the word of God as it is in scripture and you just keep coming into that uh, time and time again Uh, let me give you one more verse it's um Ephesians chapter 6 in that sort of spiritual armor passage you you know the one and uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 uh Paul writes um take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and so if, if you want to see the spirit of God at work Open up your Bible. Okay. Uh, that, that is the, the the Word of God. Is the Spirit um, do, doing its thing? So um, the two are actually deeply connected. Even more closely connected than that. It, the other thing to that's really quite cool is that when, when the Bible talks about. Um, things being God breathed in in the Greek word the the word for breath and spirit are actually the same word it's almost like as God breathes out the word it's that his spirit is at work in it and so you you actually can't separate what God does through his word and what God does through his spirit they are hand in hand together um, working the same thing and so yes God reveals himself by his spirit
0: through his word The, the two go together So the closer we keep the Word and the Holy Spirit together, the the more likely we're going to be on the right track.
1: Absolutely. And if someone comes to you and says, I've had something from the Holy Spirit, and then they say to you something that is contrary to the Word of God, you can be 100% certain that the Spirit that they're talking about is not the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. And that's why in the the letters that John writes in 1 John, he says, test the spirits to see if they're from God. Because you might have all sorts of, you know, inverted commas, spiritual... Uh, experience or spiritual something, but it may not be the Holy Spirit because there's other spirits and other things out there that would like to take you in a direction away from the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit will always point you towards the Word of God and so if you're thinking that you're very spiritual but you stand in contrast to what the Bible says, then that's not the work of the Holy Spirit
0: Great, thanks mate, very helpful. Okay, we talked a little bit about uh, the way you live and that perhaps uh, you said that no one gets saved by our actions. I did say that. But the questions come in. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 says, and let me read, quote, uh, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Is that verse saying that people can be saved mm. by our actions or not?
1: That's a great question. What I love about that question is that um, someone's doing exactly what we want to be doing here, which is challenging everything with Scripture. Yeah. Isn't that great? That, yep. That's a really good um, process to engage with. Yep. Hang on, you said this, but the Bible says nice. this. Yeah, Excellent. How do they fit um, together? Let's try and unpack it, though. Uh, what is Peter talking about in, in chapter 2? Um, when he says there in verse 12 of, of 1 Peter 2 that on that day the day that God visits us they will glorify God I I don't think that that's necessarily saying that they will be saved on that day Mm -hmm. I think it means that Uh, if in this moment, in this part of salvation history, the world might look at Christians and criticize them and even condemn them for their godliness... That might hypothetically happen. Might hypothetically (laughs) happen. Maybe that's (laughs) once or twice happened. Yes. Which they will, and that's what he says, that when, it's not if they speak against you as evildoers, when they speak against you as evildoers. But what Peter is saying is that a day is coming on the day where Jesus visits, when... All of a sudden, there will be no question as to who is right or wrong in that moment. It will mm. be clearly revealed that mm. those who served Christ and honored him with their lives were right. And on that day, even the pagan who was critical of the Christian will be will have no other option but to to honour God and say, God was right, and actually yeah. the, the Christian was right, that doesn't mean that they're going to go to heaven, mm. but it does mean that on the day they will bow the knee to Jesus, yes. which is what Philippians 2 yeah, talks about. every knee. Every knee will bow every on that time. day. Some of them will bow willingly. Many mm. will bow um, in judgment. Yeah, um, reluctantly. Reluctantly, but, but nonetheless God is is God at that point. And so they're, they're glorifying God on that day. It's not the same as... Um, as being saved um, and then perhaps just to add to that if you keep on reading in in um, 1 Peter 2 even though here in verse 12 he says uh, that our actions are really important sorry in chapter 3 he then goes on to say always be prepared uh, to to answer to, to have an answer when someone asks you for the hope that you have so uh, if you keep reading the, the thread of uh, or the train of Peter's thought yeah. here Yes, he wants you to have good deeds, uh, but that certainly doesn't um, pull you back from needing to have an answer ready to go for the hope that you have. And so speaking really matters.
0: So can I just push a little bit further, Sam? Yeah. Um, So maybe 1 Peter 2 isn't the verse that helps us with the question. Uh, Sure. uh, no one does get saved just by our actions, mm. and yet we do want to acknowledge that actions can be helpful and can absolutely. actually adorn the gospel. Yeah. So no one will be saved from our actions, but yeah. that doesn't mean actions are irrelevant. No, that, absolutely, right?
1: yeah. And I mean that's what we were saying on Sunday. Um, actions are really important, yeah. and uh, they 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 are very key. Adorning the gospel—that's that's the language that the scripture
0: uses. Titus two. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, and so yeah, absolutely. Be a good example. That's yeah. it. And in one sense in our words it's, it's very hard to even get a hearing unless you are your life is um, yeah is of such a such a quality uh, and, and yet um sometimes i th- my, my point that i was challenging on sunday yeah. was um that in and of itself is not enough the message that's needs it. to be heard yep. and it needs to be understood and so we we must speak i think that's yes. what I'm, I'm yes trying to get us yes towards.
0: no helpful thanks yep. mate. Okay, question here, um, <clears throat> and I guess we're wrestling with kind of God's sovereignty and human responsibility again, which is mm-hmm. a, a good wrestle. Yep. Uh, what if you've got a friend who never becomes a Christian, uh, you try and share the gospel with them, but it doesn't seem to, invert uh, inverted commas, work, they don't become a Christian. What, what do we do about that? How do we understand that? What do we?
1: Yeah, I mean, this brings us into the, the um, human responsibility, God's sovereignty debate, which we, we did... St- Uh, sort of start to talk about a little Mm -hmm. bit during question time on Sunday night. Um, At the end of the day, um, our responsibility is to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, The gospel message, it says Colossians 1, um, bears fruit and grows around the world. And it's the gospel that will save. And our responsibility, just like Epaphras in in chapter 1, is to present it faithfully. Um, And that means not just putting it out there once, but putting it out there many times, mm-hmm. um, being faithful to the person we're trying to um, evangelize, to keep working and thinking about what's the best and most effective way to, to communicate with them and, and bring the gospel to them as a missionary. Um, yet the work of salvation and actually changing someone's heart is yeah. the work of God by yes. grace. He yes. sovereignly saves people. He... he Uses us as his, you know, means to proclaim the gospel. But at the end of the day, I, by my effectiveness or my ability, can't actually change someone's heart. Um, it, it's that's God's responsibility, and that's the responsibility of the person to respond. That, that those two things interplay within yep. an individuals' life. Um, both are true. That that person needs to respond. God needs to save them. Absolutely. And, and so. I want to do everything I can to proclaim it faithfully, clearly as I should.
0: And and with prayer? With absolute dependence in
1: prayer uh, on God. But then recognizing that God is the one who who must act to save. Um, And so there there is no guarantee um, that every person that I tell the gospel to will become saved. And yet there is hope um, because the gospel message is powerful and uh, God... God wants to save people yes. you know um, he, he again going back to the to the, to Peter's letters Peter, Peter says um, God is not slow in keeping his promise to some understand slowness, but he's patient wanting everyone to come to repentance so you see there the desire that, that part of the reason God hasn't sent Jesus back yet is he's waiting for more people to repent and so let's go and
0: tell them so that they can repent awesome yeah. awesome and uh, I mean we've got door knocking happening at the moment, haven't we we it's do? A- um, good opportunity just to kind of get out there and invite people to church, check yep. out the new building, and, and hopefully hear the gospel in that. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Uh, this Saturday morning, this Saturday afternoon, come along Two two slots.
0: Yeah. We'd love to see you there. Terrific. Uh, last one, Sam. Can you do a spot on uh, Minionism versus Hyper-Calvinism, please? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, and maybe the answer is uh, another time. Um, in that, yeah, we'd love to think that through. I think, in all honesty, thinking through those issues might be worth a podcast in and of itself. So yeah. leave that with us. Uh, I mean, let me give you a very short thing. I mean, Arminianism is a is a, a way of understanding the Scripture's... Um, which goes back to a guy by the name of Arminius, that's where it gets its name from. Um, his surname was Arminius. And. Yacobus, uh, I think, was yeah, his first name? Yeah, I think that's Jacobus, right. Okay. yeah. That's um, like that. And he, um, old Yak, he, um, <laughs> he emphasized very strongly the uh, the responsibility of human beings uh, that, that they need to decide for Christ. Um, that really, almost as if God has done everything for salvation, but he's just waiting on you to decide. Um, mm. And. Uh, so yeah that's sort of what then you've got hyper-Calvinism on the other sort of extreme which is that actually God's in control of everything so you don't even really need to bother with evangelism because God has elected people to salvation and they're all going to come in anyway so sit back go to bed you know chill out because God's (laughs) in control of everything and you can't control anything Um, and actually neither of those two positions both Arminianism or hyper-Calvinism are quite Biblical, in all honesty, Um, the uh, biblical view is is what we might call compatibilism, which is that God teaches that that Scripture teaches, in many places, that God is in control of everything and nothing, not even the sparrows or the hairs on your head, are out of His control. Everything rests within His sovereign power, even when you roll a dice, God's in control. Mm. Uh, And yet, the Bible also teaches that we are responsible, that our actions are real, that we make real and true decisions, and we have to bear the responsibility Mm. for those. Um, and it teaches the two of those side by side in a way that that is not contradictory the Bible isn't asking you to believe a, a nonsense nonsense contradiction um, but there is a degree of mystery in these and it'd be worth us digging in and having a yeah. maybe a podcast or maybe even a night I don't know some kind yeah. of thing where we, where we try and dig into this a little bit more um but actually that those two things that that God is sovereign but his sovereignty never functions in a way that undermines human responsibility and human beings are fully responsible for their thoughts and words and deeds and actions uh, but their responsibility never functions in a way that undermines the sovereignty of God both those two truths need to be held together and actually they do work perfectly well together in the, on the pages of Scripture. Now, does that mean it's easy to understand? <laughs> no. But yeah. I take it that when we find it hard to understand, our first response shouldn't be that there's a problem with the Word of God, but rather perhaps there is a problem with the finiteness of my mind that struggles to think God's thoughts after Him. Um, and what I want to do then is recognize uh, that perhaps I need to work a little bit harder and and I do have some limitations as well but I want to go back to the Word of God holding on to the fact that it is true it is the spirit's way of pointing me back to Jesus and it, and, and the things that it say, says are true and right and need to be wrestled with um, but I shouldn't dismiss them as a as a sort of blanket oh that's stupid they're contradictory hmm. uh, that can't be true yeah
0: um, yeah so more to be said there so God is sovereign we are completely responsible yes that's not contradictory it's compatible it's compatible and that's kind of the middle ground perhaps between Arminianism and hyper-Calvinism Or uh, yeah. well, not middle ground middle
1: ground it's, it's a, just I think rather than um, middle ground we're not just trying to have our cake and eat it too we're just trying to hold up what does the scripture say and yep. um I think that the compatibilism holds up that both those tr- things are true and compatible. Um, and uh, you do well to, whenever we decide how we're going to teach on this, uh, <laughs> whether it's through a podcast or through <laughs> an event, you should be there. And uh, we would love to think more about God's thoughts
0: with you. Hmm. Sam, thanks, mate. We've got through to the end of our questions. Uh, as we look forward to Colossians 1 this week, we're looking at verses 9 to 12. Fourteen. Yep. Uh, tell us what we can uh, expect from these verses. Yeah.
1: Let me encourage you to read the passage before we get to church on Sunday. Um, five verses. Um, it's such a dense part of God's word that we are we are really taking our time to go through it. Um, uh, really, Paul moves from the thanksgiving from last week to, to uh, laying out for the Colossians what he has been praying for them. And his prayer is it's a challenging prayer, I think, for us and perhaps the way that we think about prayer. Um, and what he prays for the Colossians is ultimately that their lives would please God. Hmm. Um, and so we're going to be thinking about what would a life that pleases God look like. That's what we're going to see in, in Paul's prayer next week
0: fantastic so read ahead friends see you uh, Sunday at church bring your bible bring your questions um, pray for Sam and for Gary as Mm. they're preaching through this series Um, pray for your growth group leaders as they're leading us through Colossians as well Um, but Sam thanks mate thanks Mm. everyone for your questions have a great week that's us for the extras see you later see ya bye